Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike Schmitz. Hi, Mike. Hello. We are excited to be with you all here again, recording Tips for New Homeschoolers Part 2. This staying home, safer at home lifestyle that we currently live in is extended through the school year. And so now you may be finding that you're hitting a point in your end of the school year where things might be getting a little old. Maybe people are getting a little familiar with one another. That's what we're experiencing. That does happen. (laughs) The last few days. So we just wanted to talk through a little bit more about this and maybe some tips and strategies to help and um, some lighthearted stories from recently that may inspire you to switch it up a little bit. Yes, but just real briefly, I want to recap what we talked about in the first part of this, because there were a couple big takeaways that you had mentioned. Number one is to consider what your kids are going to remember about this time, and it's not going to be what they learned and how you taught, and they're not going to remember comparing your skills as a teacher against those of their normal classroom teacher. They're going to remember your attitude. They're going to remember your perspective on how you tackled the difficulty that was before you. And uh, that's the thing that's going to stick with them the rest of their lives. So give yourself a break. Uh, The other thing is that this is simply a bridge to next school year. So don't feel like you need to do everything perfectly or even do everything. Uh, I think that was something that came to light since the last time we recorded is that uh, with families with multiple kids who are home now, uh, especially, there's a lot of demands, not even demands, but teachers are doing their best to continue the education and they need the parents' involvement for that. But if you have to set up Zoom meetings for five kids, you're on Zoom all day, every day, and it's just not not tenable. So I know a lot of families are kind of in this situation where like, well, we want to do what we can do, but we just can't do it all. And uh, don't feel bad about that. (laughs) So if you can't handle everything, just do what you can. And like we talked about in the last episode, it's all going to work out fine in the end. Just give yourself a break and don't beat yourself up because you didn't do everything. Absolutely. Uh, One thing I wanted to kind of start off with is I had a school day recently with the kids and basically we ditched all the regular schoolwork. It was a Friday and I said, well, today what we're doing is writing letters and drawing pictures for people and we're going to mail them out. I got a bunch of stamps, got the envelopes, all the supplies out on the table and we spent a few hours working on that. And the really neat thing is we started hearing back from most of those people a few days later after they received their letters or pictures or whatever we sent them, and it really impacted them. One of our son's friends was super thankful that he was remembered, and he reiterated, like, I miss you too, buddy, and can't wait to play. Um, Another one has older siblings and they receive letters because they have pen pals and he's the little little sibling that's four and he doesn't get anything in the mail. So he was thrilled to get a letter in the mail addressed directly to him. Literally days before our letter showed up, he was complaining to his parents because everybody was getting things in the mail. He's like, how come I never get anything in the mail? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then Yep. The letter showed up, and I thought that was really cool as an opportunity to teach Malachi, because he's the one who, who wrote that that particular letter, 
that you don't know what kind of impact you can have in the, the lives of people. You don't know what people are going through. And just by getting your eyes off of your own problems and what you're going through and thinking about somebody else, you can help be an answer to somebody else's problem. And it doesn't take a lot. It takes, you know, how long did it take to write that particular letter? And if you, and you took a whole day and said, chuck the plan, we're going to do this instead, but you don't have to do it all in one day. You can no. do one a day if you wanted to. It's another thing we've been trying to do is just trying to FaceTime or talk to somebody different. And uh, that's one thing that I've noticed through this whole pandemic thing is why did it take a pandemic for us to start reaching out to people that we actually cared about and start FaceTiming them? It's Should've true. been doing this all along. Yeah. No, it's true. And I I feel as though a lot of our relationships are, are really flourishing in a different way because a few things. We first of all appreciate relationships on a deeper level. We because it's easy to take people for granted, things for granted that are just there. But when faced with a situation where you can't see them like normal, you realize how how meaningful they are to you, and it helps kind of put things in perspective and just appreciate people more. And um, another thing that we've been doing is. We've been doing a few like very distant social visits and dropping off some homemade monkey bread. That's kind of our one of our quarantine family things that we've enjoyed making together. <laughs> Not healthy, but that's okay. It's super yummy. So we've been sharing that and some other things and even around the house going through things and thinking of people like, oh, we have all these extra little kid magazines or extra puzzles or things that we could share with other families just to give them a break up in their what they have to work with or play with. So that's been really fun to share with other people. So I could jump in real quick. Yeah. I just want to say the whole point of schooling for us anyways is that we want to raise our kids in such a way that they will be leaders. It's on our family core values, which we are going to talk about at some point in the yeah, the span of episodes definitely. for this podcast. <laughs> but leadership is an interesting topic because very rarely is good leadership based on your amount of knowledge. Absolutely. But yeah. that's what people think of when they think of school and they think of training. I got to get the grades so that I can get into college, so I can get a good job, so that I can have influence and I can be a leader. But people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so kind of what we've done based on the examples that you just shared with our schooling from home experience lately is been chuck the the book learning and focus on the people. And I think that there needs to be a balance there, obviously. But if you're going to err on one side, especially during a pandemic, err on the side of people. <laughs> Absolutely. Every time. Yes, I completely agree with that. What another little thing I've done on the side here is, since this all started is this thing called uh, StoryWorth, which I'll, we'll link to. Um, so my grandmother is in her 80s and my grandfather passed away in December. And I came across this idea called StoryWorth, where you basically get sent an email and it prompts a question that gets 
that your loved one thinking about their childhood or some question you wouldn't necessarily think to ask someone. And what ends up happening is you have this conversation and they tell you this whole story. Now, normally like you send the person the email and they respond via email. But with my grandma in her 80s, she doesn't have the dexterity anymore to type. So what I do is I actually type it for her as we're talking and having the conversation. So as she's telling her story of her childhood, or whatever the question may be, I'm typing that and entering that right in. After a year, it gets bound into a book, and you can add pictures, and you actually have a printed book of your loved one's stories from their life. So it's been really fun to get to know my grandma and to reach out to her, because she's on her own right now, you know, like living by herself without the man she's been married to for forever, (laughs) most of her life. And so that's been something really meaningful we've been doing. So just looking for opportunities to help others, to show others that you care and not be so focused on news or ourselves or our own little world. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we've talked so far, this entire episode has been about checking the plan, but (laughs) you can't always check the plan. Yes. (laughs) So let's give people some tips on how to structure some things. Yeah, so in help getting started, maybe you've done some of this already, but you know, we do have about a month left of school before the this year would close out. So, if you haven't already, it is helpful to organize a schoolroom and to have some sort of structure because kids do very well with structure and a plan. Not just kids. <laughs> well, we all do, let's face it, right? Yep. Um yeah, so It is important to maintain a routine. It's important to have a plan so that you can be flexible and have days where you chuck the plan. You can't chuck the plan all the time because that would just, you can't have a chaos type of environment all the time. True. But what people don't understand when it comes to planning and organization is that the time that you spend planning is what breeds the spontaneity. It's kind of like the budgeting principle where People don't budget because they want to be spontaneous, but when you budget, you actually have more disposable income so you can be more spontaneous. Same principle as it applies to your time. So when you're raking your plan, uh, we I do time blocking and and you do something similar. We've both recently gotten into bullet journaling. (laughs) True. (laughs) And uh, we spend time figuring out what our schedule is going to look like the next day. And it's not a trivial amount of amount of time, but what that does is it allows us to, to do things outside of the scope of what's on the paper when it comes to tomorrow. If someone were to pick up the pages in our notebooks and look at the time block plan, they'd, they'd probably think, oh, this is very rigid. But in reality, it's not because that's just the starting point. Dwight Eisenhower said that plans are worthless, but planning is everything because the planning process is what creates the intentionality. And uh, you don't have to question and wonder what's the best thing to do at any given moment that applies personally, that applies in a school situation when you're trying to educate your kids from home. Uh, I want to go back to the first thing you said, though, about organizing things and putting things in their place, creating the space for the the schoolroom, so to speak. And uh, you made the comment that kids uh, thrive in an environment of structure. And, and I commented that it's not just kids. I think right now where we are with this pandemic, a little bit of a tangent here, this is something that everybody should be considering. 
is what are my areas? What are my spaces? I saw a YouTube video by another Relay FM co-host, uh, CGP Gray. He created this thing called Spaceship U, and he's talking about how they're kind of in this situation where we're all isolated. It's kind of like you're up floating in space in your own little spaceship, and you have to come back better than before. And the way that you do that is you take care of the central core, which is your physical well-being and your mental well-being. And then you, he, he recommends you mark off these different areas for sleeping, for creating, for entertainment, regardless of how big your space is. Now, we have a, a home where we have a dedicated school space in our, our basement. And so that has worked out pretty great. But even if we didn't have that, even if you uh, even if you have just one giant room where everybody is all of the time, it's worth setting aside some boundaries, even if it's just tape marks on the floor where this is the place that we do this thing. And being able to say, okay, I'm in this space doing schoolwork, and then you leave that space, you go somewhere else, then you can do something else more fun. Having dedicated spaces for dedicated things I think is is really important and helps transition from one frame of mind to the next. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because this year we actually did not use our schoolroom very often. I say schoolroom, school corner in the basement where the windows are. And it was actually just recently in the last few weeks that I realized we haven't used this schoolroom this year because our school was so different this year, our routine was so different. But we've actually been using it the last few weeks and it's made a huge difference. And so, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, Also, with time blocking and organizing our day, we're not super like it's not as rigid as it sounds, but we do have a, a brief few minute conversation the night before saying, you know, what's your day look like tomorrow? You know, because Mike records a few different podcasts. He has other projects that he records for. So there's times during the week that I have to keep everyone else quiet upstairs, which, you know, with five kids, uh, two to 12 can be a little challenging. But if we know ahead of time and can plan around it, it's not that bad. It's totally doable. doable. Um, so we do do that. We have usually what we do is uh, if you want a quick rundown of our typical morning, we will get up in the morning. The kids can get up at seven. So when you say we, by the way, you're basically talking about you and the kids at at this point because yeah. I'll have meetings, recordings, <laughs> yes. whatever sprinkled throughout the day, trying yeah. to squeeze in work wherever. And maybe I can talk about how I try to fit my ske- my work schedule uh, alongside this when once you're done sharing this part. Yes. So we means right now myself and the five children. So we start off our day in the morning with, uh, we all gather for breakfast in the morning, and then we do our Bible reading and prayer time, and a lot of times we do some worship time, and then we transition to school. And now the last few weeks, like I said, we've been going to our little school area in the basement with the little desks. And we do a review work because we're part of classical conversations. So if you're familiar with that, we do a lot of memory review work and uh, geography and things like that. And then we transition to some of the core subjects like our math curriculum and language arts. And if we have, they all practice piano, the four boys practice piano every day. And we just alternate different arts and things like that. And then we're usually done by lunchtime. 
And what I've been trying to do is either actually after breakfast or lunch, I have them all sit in the living room and I read them a chapter book because it's really, really good for them to sit there and be still and to listen. And it's been super fun to do that. And then by the afternoon, it's the little two-year-old's nap time, best part of the day, because it's like a reset, you know, it's a little quieter. The four boys kind of take their turns with their screen time, with their video games. I can get a few things done, make some phone calls, or, you know, drink some coffee and sit for a little bit, which is nice. Make some espresso now. No, espresso, <laughs> yes, my early Mother's Day gift. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Um, but just, that's just a basic rundown of our typical morning. So yeah, usually we're done. School is usually only the first part of the day, just morning time. So let me break down what we have in our notes here and include some of the times for these things, because you going through it kind of feels like, well, we'll do this thing and then when we're done, we'll go to the next thing. But just to give you an example of how this gets planned for 7.15 to 8 o'clock, that's the Bible reading, worship, prayer time, breakfast piece. From 8 to 9.30 is the review work. From 9.30 to 10.30 is the math and language arts. From 10.30 to 11.30 is the piano practice. And then from 11.30 to 12.30, that's lunch in the family chapter book. And then afternoon is basically after that. So I share those times because I'm hoping that people can start to see where maybe one of those sections, you get done a little bit early. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of those sections, somebody's in a bad mood and it makes everything take longer. That does happen. It does happen. (laughs) But it's okay when you plan ahead because you know that stuff is going to happen. The more that you you create the plan, the more you'll learn to accommodate for what is normal for you. And if you are intentional about building in a little bit of buffer, then that makes this a lot simpler. But just having those projected like target times in there makes everything flow a little bit more more smoothly. Now, uh, one thing that I'll interject here, my work is, I have a a home office. I have a door I can close, which is amazing. (laughs) Allows me to focus even when stuff is going on right outside. Uh, But I also don't have any windows in my basement office. And so I can't stay down here. All day, that'd be just... I can't stay down here very long, to tell you the truth. (laughs) So... I'll go in here for a couple of hours, call it my focus cave, <laughs> and then come out. And I try to, when I take my breaks, use those times to do things intentionally with the family. If you guys are in the middle of a lesson, I'm not going to interrupt that. But if you're kind of taking a break or I can tell that you're working with somebody, but somebody else is just kind of doing whatever, that's the time when I'll be like, hey, you want to play ping pong or whatever. We'll, we'll go play a game for a few minutes. It's a great mental reset for me before I have to go tax my brain again with writing or recording or whatever. And, uh, it allows me to make those, those moments, you know, it doesn't take very long to make those, those moments, but being intentional about the types of things that you can use to facilitate those. That's kind of why we got the ping pong table as a group Christmas gift. Uh, this this last winter because I wanted to be able to to leverage that and everybody seemed really excited about it. They all like ping pong. So why not use that to to bond together as a family in those those little gaps of time that we have throughout our day? Yep, definitely. And uh, with the times that you shared as well, it's super, like that's a 
basic guideline, but it's kind of like you just don't know how it's going to all flow. I still work one-on-one with my two youngest boys. They're six and eight with their schoolwork. And so um, after our our full group review time, I will work one-on-one with with each of them because the older two are pretty independent. And then by the time I'm done with the six and eight-year-olds, then the 10 and 12-year-old, if they have questions with their math or other subjects, I can sit and work with them individually later. So that's kind of how that works. Now, one thing I want to say about the routine really quick that just came to me, I was reminded of this. So my pastor's wife, one of the things that she, I love how she says it. She says, prepare them on Tuesday for what they need to know on Wednesday. What she meant by that and how I've applied it is if there's something specific that they need to know tomorrow, for example, I let them know today. Mm -hmm. And so we say, okay, tomorrow we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and this is how this is going to go. Because some kids are real good about just flowing with it. But honestly, most kids, I, our five kids are all very, very different, but they all do better when they have some sort of reference point as to what's expected of them. So it's not just on the fly, like, okay, let's do this now. Because very few people can flow with that and do really well with that. One in particular creates a picture in his head of what he's going to be doing for the next several hours. And then when you throw that at him, it puts him in a funk. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to snap him out of it. And it's not even that he doesn't want to do the thing that you say you're going to do. It's just that it's a surprise and he hates the, he hates the fact that he's being surprised. <laughs> yeah. So another phrase uh, that I love is know when to hold them and when to fold them. So there are times where we need to push through and challenge ourselves just to go with the flow and be like, okay, we're doing this now and you just need to adapt. But for the most part, we don't necessarily do that because that's really not the best way to go at relationships in a family and uh, child rearing. <laughs> yep. Uh, one other thing I want to chime in with, because you mentioned that the older two at this point can work independently. That is one of the things that I wouldn't say it's a reason that we homeschooled, but it was definitely a an ancillary benefit of homeschooling, I feel, is teaching our kids that they don't have to sit in a seat for a certain amount of time in order to get something done. They are done when the thing gets done. Yeah. And everybody is kind of in this place where they have to take that approach. If you're a parent with multiple kids and you're trying to get all this schoolwork done. And uh, I, I would say that don't go for, don't base your productivity or how much you're able to accomplish based on the number of hours that you spend in the thing. If you are able to finish a lesson then that's great, whether it took you 15 minutes or five hours and celebrate that and teach your kids to do that, to be self-motivated, self-starting people who will look at the task in front of them and just dive in and, and get it done. It's not easy. It's definitely going to take some some time and some repetition to get them to be able to do that. But I believe that our older two kids are, are really starting to to get that now. And when you couple that with the power of the the small actions done repeatedly, the small habits, the getting 1% better. There's a whole episode just in, in that, I'm sure. Uh, once they understand that if I just show up every day and I do a little bit here with this, that that's going to compound and that's going to produce something really big and awesome in the, the long run, then at that point, you know, they love learning already. They can in their minds, they can do anything. And that's really what we want them to do is we want them not to be intimidated by any 
project or or task or thinking about what they want to do with their lives. We want them to be able to try hard things and, and find the thing that really clicks for them and do it with excellence and be compensated well for that. I mean, that gets into like the Cal Newport stuff and, and what the economy is, is looking for, but it's not looking for, I showed up and I put in X amount of, of hours. It's what am I able to, to produce that's, that's valuable. And the way that you do that is you, you show up every day and you get to work. Wholeheartedly agree with all of that. Um, and with all of that, we have some specific resources we want to share. The first of which has been super fun. My husband, Mike, is on day what for Duolingo? Oh, my goodness. Learning Spanish. I look it up. It's like 260-something, which is nothing compared to, to some people. But it's a big deal for me. I was always terrible at Spanish. <laughs> and I picked up Duolingo after we went on our, our missions trip last year to Costa Rica. I wanted to be able to to converse without needing a translator <laughs> next time I went. And uh, it's been interesting. It's only a couple minutes a day, but I see the stats and it says I've learned something like 2,000 words now and I can string together sentences and not something I ever thought I'd be able to do based on how I did in Spanish class in high school. Um, this is something, again, just to speak real briefly to how this one specifically got started. We all, speaking to the adults here now, we've all got our smartphones and their portals to distraction. Uh, yes. If you have an iOS, like a, a, an iPhone or an iPad, you can go into your screen time stats and you'll be faced with the cold hard facts about how much time you spend on social media. Well, I know that I've got this thing in my pocket all the time, but I wanted to make sure that when I pulled it out, I was going to do something constructive. Social media, sorry, not constructive, <laughs> especially lately. <laughs> so I Truth. thought, what can I replace that with? Something like learning Spanish, mm -hmm. you know? So I started doing that with Duolingo, and then uh, I was hoping that you and the kids would would get into it and you did, but the basic principle there is just identifying like what's that one little thing that you could do, positive use of your technology, you know, and apply that intentionality to your technology use. I've got a whole series of posts over on the suite setup devoted specifically to this called Mindfulness Mondays. And there's an article about my Duolingo habit there, which I'll I'll link in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. So our son Joshua, who's 10, he has, I think, around 160 consecutive days in Duolingo, which I think is pretty darn impressive. Like, for a 10 wow, year old, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. That's quite the string. Yep. And Toby has broken his streak, missing, missing some days in between there, but he's been doing it most days since then, too. And I actually. Since the quarantine started in March, I've been doing it. So I believe I'm on day 45 or 46. And it's just been really fun. Our family goal eventually is to like have some family dinners where we only speak in Spanish. So yep. that should be pretty entertaining. We're not quite there yet, but I it's been super pretty fun. close, actually. Yeah. Joshua just starts speaking in Spanish sometimes now, which is pretty entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were we doing? We were... We had a Toastmasters meeting, I think, a virtual yeah. Toastmasters meeting, and we came up afterwards, and he had written a, a sign for us in Spanish and put it on the door. <laughs> and it mean it the, it was how a was question, how was the dance? But it was in Spanish because they heard. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Tal Valle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's been something that's really neat. 
and fun to do. That's something, it's a free app that you could use. It's even on the web. You don't have to have a smartphone or anything to do it. So that's a really fun, easy way for people to learn Spanish adults and children alike. They have some children apps, uh, child apps too, not just the full Duolingo, but that are more simple for younger elementary. So we've tried that one out too. So that's a great resource. Another one is called Bitsbox. That's super fun. It's a coding website, and they do send kits if you want to have a subscription, but it's basically a very um, simple introduction to coding. Yes. So I saw this back when it was a Kickstarter, and I think it was like 20 bucks a month. And uh, I got it because I knew we were homeschooling and thinking through like what are the skills that are going to be valuable in the economy going forward. And coding is one of those skills that if you had nothing else to fall back on and you knew how to code, you'd be, you'd be okay. You could get a decent job. It's uh, one of those skills that's just going to be more highly sought after. So it's not that we want them to get a certain level of proficiency. It was just, Hey, if you're going to tinker and learn something, this would be a good thing to learn. And uh, they have definitely taken to it. The boxes that they used to send, I don't know if we get those anymore. I think we're still subscribed, but maybe maybe not because we have so many of the activities. Uh, they would send, uh, they used to send like the books in the, the mail along with some toys that accompanied the theme. And each book had these pages pertaining to a specific project, which basically showed you everything you needed code-wise for the project. So on the very basic level, it's simply transcribing what is on the the cards. But then as you start to build more complex projects, you start to see how the things tie together. You recognize I'll use this one sound in this other app, so I'm going to use it in this this new app that I'm, I'm building. And it tells you when you run it, hey, there's something wrong in your code. You got to look at line 86 and figure out how to fix it. So there's a lot of like debugging and problem solving that's yeah, involved with it. A lot of focus it. is needed for it, which yep. is very good. Yep, exactly. So I think uh, this is a great place to start for anybody who is interested in this stuff. Doesn't have to be necessarily kids, by the way. I do some web programming, but I think Joshua and Toby both could code circles around me at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Joshua's favorite is to make his own custom stamps by pulling in images of like video game characters and things to put in the games. So he has a lot of fun with that. Right. Yeah. There's a lot you can do to customize it, really make it your own. Yeah, another really simple math resource is extramath.org. And that is really a neat way to get your children to memorize their basic math facts. I am a very strong believer in the importance of learning and memorizing addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. And our kids are memorizing 0 through 15 for their times tables. And I've heard from the middle schoolers and the high schoolers in our community for classical conversations that that it has been hugely beneficial for them to have all those facts memorized because they can crank through their harder levels of math so easy because they have all those basic math facts um, just down pat. And so it's a really great resource. It walks them through it. Even our six-year-old son is doing his additional his addition on there. And so once they've mastered addition, then it moves them on to subtraction. Once they've mastered subtraction, it moves to multiplication and then division. And so once then, like our 12-year-old, he's mastered all four of those on 
extra math. And so that's just a really great resource, especially if your kids enjoy doing stuff like that on the computer. It's a really fun way for them to do math. Nice. What else you got? So some other things that we have here is uh, we like to do uh, mostly with science. I like to have them cook with me. (laughs) I'm not super great at doing science experiments at home, but there's some really fun like science videos that they like and sometimes we'll try them at home but a lot of our science revolves around the kitchen because let's face it if you're a mom of multiple children you feel like you live in the kitchen actually I remember Toby our oldest when he was I don't know how old he was maybe four or five he goes mom why are you in the kitchen all day I go how often do you guys eat and he goes oh and he walks away (laughs) oh Oh, so yeah Uh, Right now, there's a ton of options right now. There's virtual zoo, museum, aquarium resources where you can actually walk through those. Oh, real real quick on the the science experiments. Oh, Uh, yeah. I I would say that it doesn't have to necessarily even be an experiment, but leverage the curiosity that your kids have towards things. So Legos? Have you heard Legos, anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of fountain pens because toby was asking me the other day (laughs) like how does how do those work and uh and like well you should look it up and and figure it out and he did a his whole presentation for the last day of classical conversations on on fountain pens and uh he probably knows more about the science of fountain of fountain pens at this point than i do (laughs) based on what i saw from his (laughs) his notes but uh that was something where instead of just giving him an answer i gave it back to him in the form of a question like, well, why don't you figure out how this, this works? And if it's something that they're interested in, then doing that type of research is, is fun and enjoyable. Yeah. So I guess a lot of that is being aware. And when you're having these conversations with your kids or hearing them even mention something, help them explore that. Another really fun thing is like, I said Legos, right? I interjected Legos. Um, we're a big Lego family and our children love looking at like how to build certain things or even just coming up with ideas. There's a lot of skills involved in that. Yep. And so that's a really great fun way for them to be learning and growing and following instructions and things like that as well. And so it could be nature, you know, it could be what's going on, what's growing outside. There's so much happening in the spring right now. It could be researching that and looking that up and just, you know, being aware of what's piquing their interest right now. And you can turn anything into like a learning experience. Or even music, you know, with piano, because I've been there, I, I grew up taking violin lessons where you get you get bored just learning the songs that are in your repertoire, but then twisting that a little bit and saying, okay, so you like playing the piano, right? Yeah, I just don't like this song. Okay, well, why don't you try writing a song? And it's not as easy as it looks at first, but there's no better way to learn how the pieces fit together and understand the, the theory. And uh, that could take... That could something simple like that for somebody who really has a curiosity for music and really loves to to create that could be the difference between getting them to practice every day being a chore and a pain you wanting to pull your hair out and it just clicking for them you know and ultimately what's important is not that again that they learned a specific song but that they learned to love the process they learned to love the art Piano's been interesting lately because 
um, our children, our four boys are all in piano and they each have piano teachers. I am not a musician. I did a year and a half of piano after I graduated high school because I always wanted to take it. So I know enough to help my six and eight-year-old, but beyond that, I'm out at this point. And so um, the older boys have been really good about following their lessons and doing their virtual lessons with their teachers. But my six-year-old, I've been, I've just been letting him play his favorite songs, and he watches the videos from his teacher, and he plays it and stuff. But I've just been letting him focus on just enjoying the piano, which he really does. Yep. And so there's a balance of getting them to do what they need to do, but enjoying it as well. Yeah, I did an interview on the Focus podcast with Kurostini, who is a musician, and he said something along the lines of, uh, he's a very, very talented piano player, something along the lines of, uh, in order to get good, you have to show up every day and you just have to put your hands on the keys. That's all you got to do. <laughs> and then once you get there and you have your hands on the keys, then of course you're going to practice and then you practice enough days and you get, you get really good. You, you develop those skills, but kind of uh, another angle to that is the things that stretch your abilities, the things that push you outside your comfort zone, the things that are difficult. You know, that's another thing we try to foster through all this stuff, through all the creativity is if you run into a problem that appears too difficult, don't just give up, you know, just, it may take a little longer to figure this thing out, but that's okay. Just recognize that it's, it's hard and, you can do hard things, you know? Yeah, definitely. We have uh, used this term called, uh, we can do hard things, and or we, we've called it the hard things rule, and yep. we all practice doing hard things. And it's pretty, it's pretty fun, because I had my son Joshua at one point, there's a song that he loves called Happy Sea Otter on the <laughs> piano, and it's, it's as cute as it sounds. It really is a great song. And I had him teach it to me at some at one point because I love it and I love how much he loves it. And so he was thrilled to teach his mom one of his songs. And then also similarly with Duolingo, when I started doing my consecutive streak of Duolingo, Josh would be like, Mom, did you are you doing Spanish right now? Are you doing it? And then sometimes he'll jump into the middle of my lesson because do you know what that means? It means this. <laughs> like, He's so encouraging. It's I don't know. It's just really, really sweet. So it's really fun to do stuff together, to grow together in those different ways. Whether it's um, music for our family or learning Spanish, and um, I just want to speak to the parents right now for a minute that we're trying to do all this stuff to keep our family going, to teach our children, to keep our marriage strong. Whatever else you have on your plate, maybe it's um, elderly parents or grandparents you're trying to reach out to. But what are you doing to take care of yourself? Now, a lot of you have probably heard this, um, but, you know, if you've ever flown, they, what do they tell you? Put the oxygen mask on yourself and then your child. Because if you put it on your child first, you will run out of oxygen yourself and not be able to help them. And you may even die, actually. So just take that image and what are you doing right now to take care of yourself? Because I find myself, I reach points where I... Uh, sometimes feel like I'm almost at a breaking point or, oh my gosh, I just feel overwhelmed or I need a break. Okay, we need to be taking care of ourselves. So what does that look like for you? Is it getting up a little earlier and having some quiet time before everyone's awake and you're on duty all day? Is it taking an opportunity in the afternoon if you have a napper? 
Or is it getting them in bed early enough so you have time at night? But what are you doing? Is it working out? Is it doing some yoga? Is it, you know, praying? And another thing is, who is in your life like a friend or someone you can confide in that you can call? For me, my sister, um, her and I, so we, she has four children and we have five and they're like all best friends, right? And so it was funny because like we do we'd uh, FaceTime quite regularly the last month. And then a few weeks ago, I said, hey, Jen, can we like FaceTime without the kids? Maybe that'd be cool. She goes, yes. (laughs) So we talked for over an hour. And then we kind of laughed. We're like, why didn't we do this sooner? And then so now we just do that regularly. But who who do you have that you can talk to? Because we all need a friend. You know, we all need someone that we can just not someone that needs us, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that we can just talk to. Yeah. And uh, carving out the space to get back to your original point about protecting the golden goose, taking care of yourself first, carving out the time for those things. It may seem impossible, but basically where there's a will, there's a way. Like one thing that we were concerned about is Toby's 12 and he's a pretty responsible kid, but the rest of the family can be a lot, especially Adelaide, the two-year-old. So we never really felt great before this started. We never were like, hey, you're in charge, take off for date night or anything. But we've started to do that while we're at home. And I've been amazed how quickly Adelaide has uh, grown accustomed to that, where we need an hour and a half on a Tuesday evening for Toastmasters, for example. And we can tell Adelaide, a two-year-old, at this point, mommy and daddy are in a meeting. (laughs) You can't come down and she won't. (laughs) No, she goes... You, mommy, you in a meeting? <laughs> <laughs> and that was the kind of thing where if we were to say, okay, we want to be able to do this and try to create that scenario, I don't think either of us probably would have even tried that because we'd be like, oh, that's that's never going to happen. <laughs> but they get it, you know, they're they're smart and they're they're figuring this stuff out too. So uh, the the big thing it is not to not to keep putting off taking care of yourself because there are other people who are depending on you. You need to make sure that you have your needs taken care of or you're not going to be of any use to the people who rely on you. And please don't feel bad that you need to take care of yourself. Yep. <laughs> or you need to take a break. Or you, It's normal. There, there's some afternoons where when Adelaide's napping, I tell the boys, okay, you can do this. You know what you can do. Mom needs a break. I'm going to be in my room. I'm going to be reading or I'm going to be laying down or something. Don't come get me unless it's an emergency. Yep. You know, they know the ground rules. They don't go outside. They don't open the door for anyone. You know, all that stuff. But there's some days where I do that. And it doesn't mean that every single time you get exactly what you want and you don't get interrupted. But I get inter- interrupted every time. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's okay. But, well, there, there are times when it when it actually works. I mean, yeah. we haven't had anybody walk in on a Toastmasters true. meeting yet. That's true. Or a podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> but uh if it were to happen no big deal you know we, right. we roll with the, the end of roll the with the, the punches <laughs> yeah but i think maybe that would be another reason for people to be apprehensive and trying to do that sort of thing is like oh it's not going to work anyway so why even try mm-hmm. keep doing it because the more that you do it the more you kind of adjust the expectations and it's not something big it's always a, a little at a time you know but it's worth creating that space and it's worth fighting for that <laughs> that space and uh, over time, if you're consistent with it, you know, they'll they'll learn to respect the the boundaries. But everybody's having to to figure those out right now. Yes, definitely. 
And that seems like a really good spot to wrap it up. So we hope that you learned something today, something that was encouraging or helpful or insightful for you. We'd love to hear from you if there's something that uh, really helped you. And uh, until next time, join us in living life intentionally. You can find us on intentionalfamily.fm.